Hi, everybody, and welcome to the NDSC podcast, a place where management faculty and PhD students share about their journeys and stories in academia. My next guest is Megan Baskin, Associate Professor at Florida Gulf Coast University and the Director of the Southwest Florida Leadership Institute. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed this interview and conversation with Megan. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Jose again. I am here now with uh, Associate Professor Megan Baskin. She's at Florida Gulf Coast University. So I'm right now at the SWAM, Southwest Academy of Management Conference. Um, and I got lucky. I was in the doctoral consortium that uh, Megan organized. Uh, an amazing uh, doctoral consortium had a great time. And I asked him if, if I could interview her for the podcast, and she said yes. So I'm here with her. Hi, Megan. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. So first, before I go into the question, something that I do as an icebreaker is kind of like knowing the person before getting to know the academic. So if there, if there is something more on a personal note about your regular life outside of school, university that you like to share, maybe a hobby something that you do outside of the university of your academic work yeah so my i would say my biggest hobby is i am an avid spinner so uh, cycling i do um, spin classes like four to five days a week and i'm actually currently training to be a spin instructor oh that's nice yeah. do you have any like are you into like peloton or that stuff or just kind of going um, to a like traditional more cycling yeah class. i go to cycle bar so okay. it's like a super loud music dark uh -huh. room rage yeah, yeah, against yeah, yeah. the machine type of uh, situation it's my meditation i can't sit still so cycling is how i get how i get my alone time that's awesome okay perfect that's a great and uh, new different hobby that we got <laughs> from an academic so now to start with the questions, right? So what brought you to this career? What made you kind of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be a professor, I'm gonna be an academic. I absolutely did not want to be a teacher or a professor. So <laughs> when I started my kind of academic journey, I'm actually psychology. So mm -hmm. I have my undergraduate master's and PhD in psychology. Um, and I really was interested in studying deviance, but from the psychological side, um, wanted to work in profiling mm -hmm. and when I started the like the track for going into a PhD program I thought I'd go to psychology um, and I was looking at the different options and I was like oh, I don't want to do that kind of program I don't want to do that kind of program and I found industrial organizational mm -hmm. psychology and I was like well that that sounds interesting I've always un wanted to understand like power influence leadership etc so uh, and it made more money than the other areas of psychology. So, <laughs> You're not the first Iola. Um, I decided to go that route, and I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I never expected to be a professor. Mm. Um, I thought I'd work for the government, yeah. honestly. Um, and when I got to the end of the career, my advisor, who happened to be dual in a business school and I.O., um, pretty much talked me into going into academia. Oh, that's so, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're not the first I.O. person that kind of like, oh, this route maybe makes more sense financially. Yeah. <laughs> and so what what are for you, what's your favorite thing about being a professor or an academic? Um, the kind of the schedule, honestly. Uh -huh. uh, I worked for a couple years during the Ph.D. program full time while getting my Ph.D. Uh -huh. 
And you, when you move kind of to that, I mean, maybe not as much now with remote work, but to that corporate environment, the rigidity of the schedules and not having time off during Christmas, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I miss that. Um, so I decided to, to pursue the academic lifestyle. And one, one thing that I really love is that if something doesn't go well in three months, you can try something different. So your courses, your work, everything starts over every couple of months. So if it doesn't work this time, try something new next time. Yeah, I, and I, so I really like that aspect of this job. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's pretty cool from for what we get to do. So the other side of the coin, what's kind of like one of the most uh, challenging parts of the career? Um, the rejection. <laughs> um, I think I it took me a long time to get past the the like the negative comments because you pour so much of your identity into your research and or your teaching and so when students either are awful in evaluations or your work that you've poured so much of your time into gets rejected it's hard to not take it personally yes um it's hard to not feel like you're failing um and i still struggle with it it's been 13 years and i still struggle with every rejection it just gets a little bit easier but not really if you've put a ton of time and work into it I, i really like what you said about a lot of your research kind of like is tied to your identity right yeah. and, and then that kind of like makes it harder for you to not take it personally because yeah definitely it's kind of like well these are my ideas and it's like your little babies right mm -hmm. so yeah that's really good um okay another one that i really like is so what's the best advice you received for your academic career It really has nothing to do with my academic career, okay. honestly. Um, my advisor for my uh, doctoral program, one thing that he told me was to um, to have interests and be interesting. Mm. And it's something that I tell all of my students because at the end of the day, you can you can have a vita and you can go and you can get jobs and you can get interviews but the thing that's going to set you apart is your ability to converse about topics and be memorable and in order to be memorable you have to be able to to talk about interesting things so can you go into an environment um, and just start talking about something what what can you bring to the table and if you don't like diversify your interests if you're not reading what's going on in the news or have opinions nobody's going to remember you Yeah. Um, so that that was a really big piece of advice that I tell all of my students, and I think it served me well. Like I can have a conversation about a lot of different things, and I think it's helped with like my consulting work um, and getting jobs. So I, I want to follow up a little bit on that one because I think that was I don't remember if it was in one of the doctoral consortium sessions we had, um, but I I've heard it from from a couple of PhD students and even myself. Right, sometimes you have the other kind of like problem where you have too many interests and then it's challenging for you as maybe a early scholar or a PhD student to kind of like, well, focus, right? So in that sense, how would how you would you recommend or advise a PhD student that maybe has a lot of interests to kind of like choose, right? That that's a little bit tricky uh, and maybe I put you over the spot yeah. here, but I don't know how you approach it maybe in your career. I probably am not the best person to ask this because I go down rabbit holes. I like a lot of different things and I'm curious about a lot yeah, of different things. That's the same for me. So I end up working on projects, but I try to find how I can fit my, what I would consider my areas of expertise oh, okay, to that's good. fit in these different interests. So I'm like, oh, a paper about remote work. How can I 
think about remote work in the context of time theft. Oh, a paper about cybersecurity. How can I think about ethics relevant to cybersecurity? So take like maybe your maybe find an area, a couple areas, one or two that you would say are your areas of expertise. Um, like for me, you know, ethics and counterproductive work behavior, and then apply those to all of these different topics. That's so it doesn't good. mean you can't diversify the like areas you're you're interested in. But like, what can you contribute in those different variety of different areas based on your area of expertise? Yeah. I so I do work on a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. like politics and remote work and social media, but I always bring like an ethics or counterproductive um, kind of angle when I work yeah. on the projects. Yeah, I think that's really good. Okay, the next one is, what's one resource or maybe two that you have found very helpful in this career? Maybe as a PhD student or now that you're a professor, what are some resources that you said like this has been very beneficial? Um, honestly, going the, going to the conferences. Um, a lot of people don't go, like I would say it's, it's not so much that they're going to the research presentations at the conferences, it's the networking um, because yeah. you get to you get to hear about what people are doing in the classroom or you connect, um, and it's 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 hard to do that when you're not in person some of the times. So going to you know SMA and SWAM even um, allows you to hear what people are doing. People talk about it, and when you're face to face, it's actually easier to like get them to share things with you and whatnot. So like throughout the years, I've built my like research network going to conferences or um, like we'll sit down and finish a paper in person at the conference mm-hmm. if we're like cross country from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big one. And then social media has been really great. There's a lot of like groups, like Facebook groups I talked about mm-hmm. in the doctoral consortium for communities of scholars in different areas. So like the Women of OB on Facebook has been a really great place to go to either vent about things <laughs> and or get resources, learn about people around the job market, different activities and classes. And the communities are very willing to share, which has been really nice. Yeah, um, so uh, I wanna touch a little bit on the first point you, you, you talked uh, on networking at mm-hmm. conferences. Um, I think I've heard this uh, at also at a couple of different doctoral consortiums, and I think sometimes PhD students struggle with mm-hmm. that part. Um, how would you recommend maybe, so maybe there's two parts, like how do you kind of like network when you were a PhD student, if you had a specific advice to network with, especially with professors, right? Or maybe now that you're a professor, what are kind of like, what's a good way that you see that students network? Like, oh, that's an effective way to reach out to me as a professor versus that's not as effective or, avoid that right Mm -hmm. well when I so I did the doctoral consortiums when Mm -hmm. I was um, a grad student and one of the things that I did is I kept in contact or either like LinkedIn connections or Facebook or whatever connections with all of the speakers Mm. and I tried to continue the conversation after um, or kind of engage them in a conversation about their research so that I you know they remembered me Mm -hmm. Um, you know really that was it it's just like continuing the conversation after whether it's just like, I look forward to seeing you next year, or um, like you said this about your research, I'd really like to learn more. Because um, usually, I mean, I think most of the people that are academics, like that are professors, they want to be helpful, and if they have the time, they will be helpful. Yeah. Um, so it's it's on the student to try to continue that conversation, because I don't think they're gonna reach out to you to continue the conversation. 
Um, but the doc consortiums and like making connections with the people that show up to sit on those panels, those are the people that want to help anyway. Yes. So keep in contact with them. Ask them questions. Um, I still talk to regularly people I've met, like peers in doctoral consortiums that are all assistant associate full professors now, and we have that network, but also still some of the faculty that were panelists when I was a doc student, I still talk to and see regularly. So also continuity, continue to go. Continue yeah. to go to the conferences because eventually people will remember you. Yeah, I think that's really good because kind of like some conference kind of like there's like a community within mm -hmm. them, right? So you start being part of that community. And the other part that I think uh, I you, you, you said that is truly important is the professors that are participating at the panels in the talk, that, that's a clear signal that they want to help, right? right. They're, they're interested in helping PhD students. So that's really good. Okay, so this one is a particular question I designed for you, right? <laughs> um, and a little bit from what I heard you share during the doctoral consortium. Could you share a little bit more about your experience uh, collaborating and connecting with the community uh, around your university as part of your academic work? Yeah, so every university that I've been at, um, which is now four in my career, I have made a kind of active effort to be involved in some way, shape, or form in the business community. And I think most universities actually really want their faculty to do that, but not everybody does it. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, you know, I actively, I'm HR and organizational behavior. So I join the, the city's like SHRM organization. Um, to get involved with what's going on because that one helps with student placement and jobs. They come to me, it helps me get guest speakers, um, but it also helps get like maybe consulting and or training work, et cetera. So if you want to build those connections, that's a good way to get out in that community. Um, uh, my current position, I think was more of what you're referring to, um, at Florida Gulf Coast, I'm the director of the Southwest Florida Leadership Institute. Um, and my role in that position is like more institutionalized. It's more formalized in the sense that I am coordinating um, all of the exec education training programs and consulting for the College of Business at Florida Gulf Coast. So I get to go out into the community and talk to different businesses about the expertise that the faculty in our college have and the types of trainings that we can provide to them. Um, at probably a cost that's going to be lower than your major consulting companies, mm -hmm. but with PhD-level PhD expertise. So it's really a pretty cool opportunity to go get to champion and celebrate people within your college, but also create fun and new short courses for different companies to get involved. Um, I just am, next week will be completing a six-week leadership development program for the county government, which has been really neat. And it it resulted in six different faculty getting a bonus of like almost $4,500 for t training for six hours. Um, so it, it also brings in quite a bit of money, which is fun as well. Um, but it also helps make you pretty um, indispensable in your <laughs> yeah. college. You when you that. have built up a network outside of your college and people start to know who you are and start to come to you for your expertise, the college, the university, they start to recognize your name. Mm -hmm. And when your name starts to become affiliated with a university outside of that university and academic community, it, it carries a lot of weight. Um, yeah. While I'm, it has nothing to do with research, 
the you become you become known as the expert in an area and people want to talk to you they want you to come be a speaker and that really helps with regards to like fundraising for the college and if you can be on that side of the game in academics um, it carries a lot of value at the end of the day beyond teaching beyond research beyond service yeah yeah, yeah, I love when you share all these yesterday at the session, and I, I felt like, yeah, I have to get this on recording and <laughs> put it out there because I think that's that's an amazing approach, a little bit outside of the box of our kind of like traditional mindset of academics, but that is kind of like, I think it's a great way to kind of like put in, like into practice what we research in a way, yeah. right, with the trainings, but also, as you said, to kind of like play that role that really becomes meaningful to the community, mm -hmm. and you also bring value to your department, your university. Okay, so for our last question, we do a game, right? So I have a, a lot of cards. Um, they have different questions that we source from like a survey to doctoral students. So you can like pick your own poison, right? <laughs> so you can choose one and let's see what it comes out. Okay. And okay, so this is really good. And I think this is the first one we got, first time we got this card. So any advice on work-life balance <laughs> as an academic? Um, and maybe I, if you remember your PhD student, right? Maybe talk about yeah. work-life balance as a PhD student and maybe then as an academic Well, I, I think that there's so, the interesting thing, and you, you can attest to this, is like I had a very traditional um, academic, like pursuant of my PhD. I started straight from undergrad and went straight through. So I got my PhD when I was 27. Didn't have kids, I went straight through the master's and the PhD program, I did it full time. So it was a, a little bit you know, different. I think that more and more people are coming into PhD programs with kids or having kids during or later. So I don't have perspective on that when as of grad school. Um, but balance later, I think as a new professor, we tend to say like, oh, I'll get balance later. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm gonna like, go hardcore you know and do as much research and do all this teaching at the front end and yes that's like it's helpful to get tenure but at the end of the day sure. um timelines don't have to fit a certain mold i don't think like i was an assistant professor for 12 years yeah um and you know what that's okay because I'm still, I'm still progressing, I still publish, I still am a good academic, and I have found that um, balance through being okay with the fact that I don't have to fit a certain mold of an academic. Like, I don't have to get associate professor after six years. I can change jobs. I guess this goes back to the controversial question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's okay to have different paths. It's okay to not get associate right away. It's okay to change jobs because something doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, as long as you're you're being authentic with yourself. Like yeah. don't force a lifestyle on yourself that is not working for you because you will be miserable. Yeah. Um, if working 60 hours a week on your research suits you, then do it. But if it doesn't, cut it off at five. Be with your family because your research is still going to be there tomorrow and nobody's going to die if you didn't finish it today. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's taken me a long time to kind of reconcile um, that I don't have to finish it. I don't have to be the best. Nobody cares. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, nobody cares. <laughs> but your kids will know yeah. if you're not there. Your yes. family will know if you're not present. 
and and that's more important yeah. um, than than meeting a deadline because usually if you ask you can get deadlines extended yeah um, so it took me a long time to stop thinking that it would be the end of the world if I didn't get something done or I didn't spend 60 hours and then a long time to be okay with the fact that I didn't follow the traditional path um, because I love my job and I love what I do and I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't follow, followed the trajectory that I followed. So, I mean, I guess, I don't even know if I answered that question, no. um, but just not, not, not having to, get, getting rid of the idea that you have to do things a certain way and yeah. a certain path and a certain time frame I think really helped with balance. Yeah, um, I love now. it, and I think that's it's a very important thing to put out there, and like especially for us PhD students or incoming PhD students to kind of like have that understanding. Mm -hmm. And maybe in the program you have a timeline, right? Right. And it's it's in a way harder, but in general, I think for a career, thinking of a career, I absolutely think that's like its goal mm -hmm. advice. So thank you very much, Megan. You're welcome. Thank you for everything you did for us students here at the Doc Consortium. We really appreciate it. And, and thanks for this time, for this interview. Yeah, no problem. Thanks.